Hello everyone, and um, as we say every week, make sure you have that passage open in front of you uh, so that we can look at what Jesus says together. This is a peach of a passage, sometimes as a preacher, so we do expository preaching here. We just work through John's Gospel. This is the 31st talk on John's Gospel. And, uh, but every now and then you get a passage like this. It's an easy day at the office. It's just such a great passage. And therein lies the danger. The danger is that everyone here has heard this before. And so we need to ask Jesus, uh, as Kirsty prayed in our little prayer meeting earlier, will you make these words fresh? Will you imprint them on our hearts? So I'm going to pray and ask Jesus to speak these words again to us. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, we are so, so blessed that when you said these words, the Holy Spirit brought to remembrance everything that you said to the apostles and they wrote it down for us. And so in front of us is the very words that you spoke that night when you sat with them just before you left. And so please, since you spoke these words, they are yours. Will you speak them again tonight, please? For we ask it in your name, because you're so good. You're that good. Amen. Incredible words. So here's the question. What makes you worry? What are you worried about? What, what are you worried about? Now you're not worried now because you've just had fun and you've sang God's praises. So I'm going to give you a few seconds, seriously. Just, I'll give you 10 seconds. Think quietly in your own mind, what makes you worried? What are what two or three things that you are worried about? Think about them quickly. It's a couple of seconds. Just two or three. Don't go past 20. Just two or three things. Okay. Now think about your worries. Think about what you just thought about. I bet you almost every single one of your worries are in the future. They're not about the present. Because that is human nature. We don't worry about reality. We don't worry about what's going on. We worry about the future. What could happen? What might happen? <gasps> What's going to happen to... What hap we worry about the future. Which is why wealthy people often worry more than poor people. Because when you have stuff, you worry that you could lose it. And when you don't have stuff, you don't worry so much. And there's even a Bible verse about that. In the book of Proverbs, it says this, The poor man's sleep is sweet, but the rich man's wealth gives him no rest. Which is why Australia is one of the worryingest countries in the world. There's a recent survey, which I read up on. Did you know our children, from age 6 
to age 18 in Australia are the worst in the world, among the worst in the world for worry. And listen to this. 75% of children in Australia in the survey between age 6 and 18 are worried not about bullying, not about self-image, not even about exams. They worried about the future. Did you know that? It's incredible. Children worrying. See, we're lying because our unofficial motto is no worries, mate. We're lying. It's not true. We're all very worried. But if you think we're worried, then you need to spare a thought for these disciples in the passage we just read. If you think your future looks bleak, you should think of these guys. We've been studying this passage last week and the week before. And here are a bunch of men, 12 fishermen, who are so worried. They are consumed with worry. And I'm going to tell you why they worried, so that hopefully you will listen. And let's see if you can relate. First of all, here's a couple of worries for these guys. The biggest worry, the first one, separation anxiety. Separation anxiety. Here's the context. Jesus is going away. Jesus is leaving them. I, let me just read it to you. John chapter 13 verse 1. Now be, we looked at this a couple of weeks. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world. Jesus' time is up. It's time for Jesus to go. And he's told them this uh, last week's passage. Look at verse 33. You don't have it, but John 13 verse 33. Little children, yet a little while, and I am with you. You'll seek me, and just as I said to the Jews, so now also I say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. It, this is a bombshell. Jesus looks at his disciples and he says to them, I'm out of here. I'm going. And, and you can't come with me. You're going to stay behind. You have no idea the worry that this caused in them. In fact, Peter said, well, then I'd rather die. That's what he said. So last week's passage again, verse 36, Simon Peter said to him, so Lord, where are you going? Jesus said to him, where I'm going, you can't follow me now. You'll follow me afterwards. Peter said to him, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. What's Peter saying? You're talking about dying, aren't you? Well, if that's the case, then I'm going to die also. Peter is so traumatized by Jesus dropping this bombshell that he's saying, well, if you're going to die, I'd rather die as well. I'd lay down my life for you. You must understand their trauma. These men had been with Jesus for three solid years. They'd walked every single day with Jesus. Do you know how fun that was? Imagine you wake up in the morning. What's on the diary? No worries. Jesus, where are we going today? Wherever he goes, you just follow. What are you going to eat? Oh, it doesn't matter. Jesus can turn, you know, three loaves of bread and fish and feed 5,000. Sorted. <gasps> will we have enough wine? No worries. Jesus will just turn water into wine. Uh, what happens if you get sick? No worries. Jesus is healing people left, right and center. Oh, 
It's been the best three years you can imagine. And now, Jesus says, I'm going. It's over. It's come to an end. I'm leaving you. How are you going to carry on? How will you live without Jesus? He's been your world for three years. Separation, anxiety. We worry like that too. What happens if I lose my parents? What happens? How will I live without mum and dad? They've always been there. Or take a couple who've been married 40 years. And they don't say to each other, but you know, if he goes, or if she goes, how will I carry on? There's a worry. It's a real worry. But it's not just separation anxiety. He has another worry. Fear of failure. Do you worry about that? When I asked you to think, did you think it's one of your worries? Failure? Well, think about these disciples. Here's the context. Jesus said to them last week, Truly, truly, I say to you, one of you is going to betray me. Tell me if you wouldn't worry. <laughs> You're sitting there and Jesus in front of all you. So one of you is going to... Maybe I'm just not that confident. Maybe I'm just a warrior. But I think it's me. Is it me? No, really? What are the chances? One out of 12. You know, they must have been so worried. Jesus says, one of you is going to betray me. They must have been... How am I going to keep this up? It's not just that. It's worse. Because Peter, who's the star of the show, you know, he's the guy who jumped out the boat. You were too scared. This is our dude. He's the strong guy. Jesus looked at Peter and said to him, you're going to fail. Look what he says in verse 38. Jesus says this, Will you lay down your life for me? No. Truly, truly I say to you, Peter, the rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times. In front of all his friends, the 12 of you sitting there, Jesus picks on the strongest disciple and says to him, You're going to fail. So what is that? how worried would you be? If Peter's going to fail... Well, what are my chances? How long do you think I'm going to carry on with this? I'll never keep this up. Do you worry about that? Failure? When I finish school, if I ever finish school, what am I going to do? What happens if I fail? What happens if I'm going to be the first human being on earth who never gets a driver's license? That's what I used to think. I mean, how, how am I going to keep up this Christian thing? How long can I stay a Christian? I'm worried that I can't keep it up. You know this job I'm working at? I don't know how long I can carry on like this. And what will I say to the children if I have a breakdown? How will I go to the children and say to them, you know, daddy can't work? What? I'm worried about failure. The disciples worried just like that. Let me give you one last worry. What about financial security? Or what about, what, what about just security? Think of these disciples. Can you imagine it? Jesus says to them, I'm going. You're staying behind. Can you imagine what the disciples must have been thinking, but this is not what I signed up for. How can you just go? How can you up sticks and go? I was fishing. I had a good job. The outdoors, I love the outdoors. 
I was fishing for a living. I had a own little boat. Well, I didn't make lots of money, but I had a little boat and I had my nets and I had a little house on the Sea of Galilee which overlooked the lake and I grew up in the neighborhood. Everybody knew everybody and it wasn't a bad life. I mean, I was happy. And you came along and you said to me, follow me. You said, in fact, that's not all you said. Do you know what else you said? You said the kingdom of God is here. And I believed you. And I threw everything into you. I gave my boat to my cousin. I left the nets on the beach. I walked off. And now you're just going to leave me. I got nothing. I got nothing. I threw everything into you, Jesus. And you're just going to leave me all alone. Worried. It's okay for you, Jesus. You know why? Because you talk about your father and your father's house. Where's my house? I left my father on the beach with the servants and the nets. And you're just going to leave me absolute worry. Now seriously, can you relate to those worries or some of them? Listen to what Jesus said. That is the context into which he speaks these incredible words. Look at verse 1. Chapter 14 verse, that's the context. Listen to what Jesus says. Let not your hearts be troubled. Those words are incredible. Jesus knows exactly, he knows those 12 men backwards. He knows exactly what they're afraid of. He, when I said think of your worries, I honestly don't know what any of you are worried about. Jesus knows. And he says to you, let not your hearts be troubled. Stop worrying. And you want to say, but Jesus, how? Why? How? I'll show you three things. Three things from this passage why Jesus says, don't worry. Do not let your heart be troubled. Here they are. Three things for you. First one. First of all, first reason why you should not worry. Jesus has gone to prepare a place for you. And this will be the longest point. Jesus has gone to prepare a place. Look what he says in verse 1. Let not your hearts be troubled. Stop letting your heart trouble. Whoa. Calm it down. Believe in God. Believe also in me. The fundamental antidote to worry is trust. You, you, you cannot have a heart full of worry and a heart full of trust. They cancel each other out. Jesus is saying, do you want to stop worrying? Trust in God. Trust also in me. Trust is the antidote to worry. You know, think back when I was a child. No worries, mate. Really, I, I look back, I had no worries, none at all, because I trusted my dad and my mum. I really trusted them because they knew everything. And you know what? I had no worries. Do you know what I now know, which I didn't know? My dad was retrenched. I didn't know that. My dad went bankrupt. My dad became insolvent. My dad lost a house. 
We went and borrowed, I didn't know. We went and borrowed money from friends so that we could eat groceries. I didn't know any of this because I was waiting for my next surfboard. It was happy days because I trusted my dad so much. I didn't know what was going on. Jesus says, don't worry. Trust your father. Trust in God. Trust also in me. And when he says that, look what he says. Believe in God. He's not saying acknowledge the existence of God. That's not belief. Imagine if I stood in front of you tonight and I said this. I have no worries because I believe in Bill Gates. What? Yeah, well, I mean, well, there's no connection between you and Bill Gates. How does the existence of Bill Gates stop you from worrying? There's no, there's no connection. When Jesus says, believe in God, believe also in me, he's not saying acknowledge the existence of. He's saying, entrust yourself. Put your hands, I'm sorry, your life into his hands. Which is why Jesus says, believe in God. It's not enough. Believe also in me. Imagine if Bill Gates was my father. If he was my father, I'd have a lot less worries. I want to tell you, really. And that's why Jesus says, believe in God. Believe also in me. Let me say this as clearly as I can. Believing in God is not enough. Can I just say that again? Believing in God is not enough. Which is why Jesus says what he says. Believe in God believe also in me it's it's a it's a remarkable claim to divinity here is god jesus is putting himself on the same level as god he's saying he is an appropriate object of our faith but i want you to think about this why does belief in god make you not worry See, if you don't, without Jesus, if you don't have Jesus, then why would you trust God? What? It's like me and Bill Gates. There's no connection there. What guarantees have you got? There is a God. Well, great for him. Well, how does that help me? If there is just a God, why should I stop worrying? What, if I may use this language, what purchase, what, what grip, what nexus, what relationship is there between me and God? It won't help my worry if there is a God. But Jesus says this, believe in God, believe also in me. It changes everything. And here's why. Because Jesus can do something for you. And here it is. We've seen it in John's Gospel, in John chapter 1. This is what Jesus says. Have a look at this passage here. But to all who received him, talking about Jesus, who believed in his name, Jesus does something amazing. He gives you the right to become children of God. That's why you want to believe in God and in Jesus. Because when you do, guess what happens to God? He becomes your father. It, the whole thing changes. Now you've got a God who is for you, who's your father. A God who's looking out for you. Jesus gives us access to, he turns God, boom, into a father. Without Jesus, he's not your father. It's Jesus who gives you that right 
to become children of God. And so Jesus says, verse 1, trust in God, trust also in me. And that's the way to stop worrying. The more you worry, the less at that moment you are trusting your Father. And it doesn't mean you're not a Christian. It doesn't mean you're not a Christian because you worry. But I'll tell you this. You ought not to be worrying. We've got this saying that we use at our church all the time, Sunday by Sunday. So here it comes again. It's from Spurgeon. This is what he said. A little faith will take your soul to heaven. But a lot of faith will bring heaven to your soul. That's what Jesus is saying. Don't let your heart be troubled. You trust in God. Trust in me. And there's such good reason to trust in Jesus as you're going to see. But what must I trust Jesus for? Must I trust Jesus that there's going to be no suffering, no sickness, no problems? No, that's not trusting Jesus. Because Jesus promised you there will be sickness, there will be suffering, there will be trouble. Jesus promised you. You are going to, in this life, have a lot of problems. But here's what he promises. Hear me out. He promises that he has got your future in his hands. I asked you earlier to think about your worries. All of them were about the future. Something that could happen. I want to show you that Jesus has got your future covered. He's got it in his hands. Look with me at verse 2 and 3. But trust in God. Trust in me. Here's why. Here's why. Verse 2. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you? I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again. I'll take you to myself. Where I am, you may be also. What's Jesus saying? He's saying, why are you worrying about the future? It's in my hands. i got your future. i got it for you. Look what he says there in verse 2. In my Father's house. Just, just think about that. There is a God who is a Father. He has a house. Jesus says, it's my Father. In my Father's house. Think, without Jesus, how are you going to get past the bouncers? How are you going to get past the butler? How are you going to get into the Father's house? Jesus says, in my Father. In other words, he's the son of the house. He's the heir of the whole thing. The son can get you in. He gives you access in my Father's house. But it gets better. Look what he says. In my Father's house are many rooms. Friends, isn't it delightful that God doesn't live in a bachelor's pad? Isn't it lovely that God isn't a loner? He wants to be alone. I just got my little things in my little room. Don't come near me. No, in my Father's house are Many rooms, many rooms, says Jesus. In other words, here is a God who wants company. He wants community. He wants people with him. In my Father's house are many rooms. Watch this. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? I, I ask people all the time, 
Why would Jesus lie? Look, look what Jesus himself says. If it were not so, if I'm lying, I'm making this up, okay? Why? If it were not so, would I have told you? I've got no reason to lie. Why would I lie to you? Jesus is telling the truth. I'm not lying to you. If it were not so, would I have told you that I have gone to prepare a place for you? Now take this on board. Jesus has told you the truth. I have gone to prepare a place for you. Take it on board that your future is sorted. Take it on board. It's sometimes so hard for us that forever Jesus has gone to prepare a place for you. Somewhere is your place. Not Dwayne thinking of mine. No, yours. Somewhere is your place. Deep, deep down inside. You're always searching for it. That's why you go on holiday to Denmark. <laughs> That's why you go to Ningaloo Reef. Because you're looking for that place. Deep down inside, you're always looking for your place. Your heart is restless, looking for home. Why? Because home is where the heart is. And your heart is looking for your home. And it makes you restless. There used to be estate agents. And they had this great slogan. Here's the slogan. Estate agents, you only live once, we'll show you where. Such a cool line, eh? And it's all wrong, but anyway. You only live once, we'll show you where. Jesus says, ah, ah, you live forever, I'll show you where. I'll show you where your place is. This is why we go on holiday, because we're always restless. That home is where we want to be. Location, location, location. Isn't that true? Jesus says, I've got it for you. Your place. And where is it, Jesus? <laughs> you know, it's in your Father's house. That's your place. And I've gone to... Can you picture it? Imagine Jesus. Can you picture it? Every day, Jesus walks down the streets of heaven. There's this place, and there's a name tag, Jane. It's Jane's place. It's for Jane. It's earmarked for Jane. Some people think Jesus got a satchel on his back, and he walks past and goes, Oh, Jane, that's your 2,761st sin. I'm, I'm, this is now Bob's place. Oh, Bob, no, no, this is now Sheila's place. <laughs> it's your place. It's yours. Only you. It's for you. So why are you worrying? Why is your heart troubled? Who can take that away from you? Why is your heart troubled? Let not your heart be troubled. Jesus says, don't worry, I've got this. I've gone to prepare a place for you. By the way, look what he says there. I go to prepare a place. For how, how does Jesus prepare your place? What does he mean? Does he mean I'm going to Bunnings and I'm going to get a whole lot of stuff and I'm going to build this? Is that what he means? What does it mean I prepare a place for you? It means one thing. I'm going to the cross. It's on the cross 
as Jesus, because that's what going is in John's Gospel. I'm going to the cross. And it's as I hang on that cross, I prepare your place for you. It's on the cross that Jesus pays for your accommodation. It's on the cross that Jesus guarantees your permanent residence. Because it's there that he bears the penalty for your sin. He bleeds out for all the wrong that you've done so that he never has to take your name off. Because he paid the penalty for you. Jesus has gone. Where, where's Jesus? He's gone to prepare a place for you. Don't worry. But there's another reason. Secondly, look at this. Jesus will come again to take you to himself. Look what he says in verse 3. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. I will take you to myself. That where I am, you may be also. It, oh, the guarantees that Jesus just throws out. Did you see the logic? Did you see the guarantee? Look what he says. If I go and prepare a place for you, if I go and get crucified, as sure as I am crucified, what will I do? I will come back again and take you to myself. Jesus is saying as surely as I'm going to be crucified is as surely as I'm going to come back. The cross is Jesus' signature signed on the bottom line. You can't undo that. If one is true, the other is true, Jesus is saying. I don't understand. How can people think it's gullible to put your trust in someone who was crucified for you. How is that gullible? How is it gullible to believe the promises of someone who was crucified for you? you you've got more grounds to trust Jesus than your wife, than your mum, than your dad. This is how the Bible puts it. Have a look at this verse here. Remarkable verse, Romans 8, I think. What then... Shall we say to these things? He has the same logic as Jesus is using in this passage. If God is for us, who can be against us? Listen to the logic. He who did not spare his own son gave him up for us all. Logically, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Why are you worried? God gave his son for you. Ah, oh, yes, but now you're asking me to do too much, says God. Never! If he gave his own son, how will he not with him graciously give us all things? It's guaranteed. It's 100% guaranteed. Look at what Jesus says. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself. So why don't we believe him? Why do we doubt? Why do we worry? Here's why. I'll give you a number. Here's the reason why we worry. Here's the number. It's a magic number. 2017. That's why we don't trust him. It's been 2017 years. So obviously he's lit. I mean, think of that. 
Do you really believe that because it's 2017 years, Jesus' words have less veracity? Can it be that his love only lasts 2017 years? Really? Friends, friends, if Jesus doesn't come back for another 2,000 years and it becomes 4,017, his words carry the exact same trustability. They don't diminish with time. Why is he coming back? Verse 3, if I go prepare a place for you, I will come again. Why is he coming back? I don't know. Do you go somewhere where you're not wanted? So the first time he came, we crucified him. So why is he coming back? Why doesn't Jesus look down and go, I'm not going back there again? Why is he coming back? The verse tells us. For you. What's the draw card of earth? Why does Jesus want to leave glory and come here? I'll tell you why. Because of you. He wants you with him. Look at verse 3. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. Here's why I'm coming back. And will take you to myself. That where I am, you may be also. These are astonishing words. It's about you. He's coming back for you. I mean, there is Jesus right now. He's in glory with the Father. But I want you to know, he's not satisfied. He wants you with him. It's, a, it's such an astonishing thought that Jesus will not rest until we are with him. That every day he walks past Jane's place and he's not happy because Jane's not there. And so he will come back, take us so that wherever he may be, we will be also. Can or, or do you think, or do you think that forever Jesus is going to walk down empty streets in heaven? Oh, this was, um, this is Jane's place, but oh, I couldn't get her here. I wanted her here and I built her a place and I put her name. Oh, but I couldn't get her. Oh, and there's Bob's and I couldn't get him here. I, do you think there are streets of failure in heaven? where Jesus is constantly paraded by all the people he couldn't save. Really? Never. Never. He will bring every single one of his children home. That's why he's going to come back. You, you won't get there. You'll never be able to do it. But he'll do it for you. Jesus will return so that we may be with him. And that leads... To our last and climactic point. Jesus is gone to prepare a place for you. Jesus will come again to take you to himself. And are you ready for this? Here's why. Because Jesus is God's final destination. This is the, the mystery unraveled. The astonishing thing is that Jesus is God's final destination destination. Look at verse 4. And you know the way to where I'm going. And Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth 
and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There is so much deep stuff in here. Look at verse 5. Just look at that question again. Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? This is brilliant. A destination and the way to that destination are linked. If you know the destination, you'll know the way. If you know the way, you'll know the destination. They go together. This is the this is such a profound question to ask anyone. Here, let me try and help you. We are all of us time travelers. All of us are traveling. You're not static. You're not eternal. You came from your mummy's womb. Right now you're in Perth, okay? You don't know where you're going. Are you going to a car accident? Are you going to a sickness? Are you... We're all journeying. We're all time travelers. And the biggest question for time travelers is, where are you going? Where are you going? What's your final end? What's your purpose? What's your hope? What's your goal? What's your dream? If Jesus can answer this, Jesus, where are you going? If he can answer this, He's worth following. You could ask Muhammad. Muhammad, where are you going? And he will say, I don't know. Only Allah knows. And besides, I've never been there before. So I don't know. Not Jesus. This is the great question that I wish more of us would answer. Where are you going? If only we could feel the weight of our lostness in this world. We're just so lost and we don't feel it. There's a guy called Peter Kreeft and he writes about Augustine. The great Augustine thought this was the philosophical question. Where are you going? He wrestled with that question and Peter Kreeft writes about him and he says this, Augustine is not a philosopher pondering a puzzle. Listen to this language. I find this so vivid. What he says is, he's a dog in a crate on a train going in the wrong direction because he's lost his owner's tag. He's not philosophical. He's lost. That's what we are. We are lost. The guy over the road kept me up last night. He woke up this morning. That guy's lost. I'm so glad to report. I saw this afternoon he's moving out. But that's another subject. But we just, we don't realize how lost we are. And so Thomas says to Jesus, feel the weight. Jesus, I don't know where you're going. How can I know the way? I'm lost. Here comes the greatest answer you will ever hear. Do you know what Johnny Walker said? It's a whiskey, by the way. The world steps aside for a man who knows where he's going. Listen to Jesus. It's phenomenal. Jesus said to him, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. These are the most weighty words ever. No one has spoken like this. What is Jesus saying? He's saying, I am the final destination. I am God's destination. I am the way, but I'm also when you get there. I am the way to truth. 
But I am truth. I'm the way to life, this life that you seek. I'm the way to it. But I am also it. In fact, here's why. Look what he says at the end of verse 6. Because when you come to me, you've arrived at the Father. Look at the end of verse 6. No one comes to the Father except through me. What's Jesus saying? When you come to him, you arrive at the Father. That's what Jesus is saying. He is God's final destination. When you get Jesus, you get the Father. And somebody tell me, if you get the Father, what more could there be? Is there any truth outside of God? Is there any life outside of God? And Jesus says, I'm it. If this is how some Christians think. Some Christians think, I believe in Jesus. And then, do you know what I'll get as a result of believing in Jesus? I'll get heaven. It's like a bag of lollies. Because I've done good. I believed in Jesus. I get my lollies. Heaven. But Jesus is saying it's not like that. There's nothing beyond me. I am heaven. I am God's final destination. When you come to me, you get everything. If you have Jesus, you've got it all. If you have Jesus, your future is coming to get you because your future is a person. It's Jesus. Jesus has gone to prepare a place for you. Jesus will come again to take you to himself. Jesus is God's final destination. Now I want to say, none of that applies to you if you're not a Christian, if you haven't yet put your trust in Jesus, if you haven't entrusted yourself to him, then this doesn't apply to you. And don't say you don't have trust. You do. Let me tell you what you're trusting in. If you're not a Christian, here's what you're trusting. You're trusting that Jesus got it wrong. That's what your trust is. Your trust is that Jesus got it wrong. But He's never got it wrong. People who die and rise again from the dead don't get things wrong. He's got it right. In fact, if you're not yet a Christian, do you know those worries I asked you to think about? Your worries aren't bad enough. Your future is worse than your worries. If you know that guy over the road, man, he's a horrible man. He's not worried at all. Oh, if only he would worry more. But if you are a Christian, then here's the point for you. And here it is on the screen. One simple point. Don't worry. Stop it. Jesus has gone to prepare a place for you. He's going to come back and take you to himself. Jesus is God's final destination. Why are you worried? Stop it. Don't worry. Do you know when you go into the kitchen at night? Maybe this is just me and I shouldn't admit this. But anyway, you know you go into the kitchen at night and you switch the lights on and there they go. All those cockroaches, you know, as soon as the light goes on, they just scuttle, off they go. Take these truths and use them like a torch. Shine them on your worries and you'll see your worries like cockroaches just scuttle back into the dark. 
How can we worry when this is what's coming? This is our future. This is what Jesus Christ guarantees you. Friends, do not let your hearts be troubled. Relax. Jesus has got this. He's got it. I'm going to give you a few minutes to think about these things. Why not talk to him about what worries you? And then I'm happy to take one or two questions.